0: Welcome to Improv Interviews. My name is Margot Escott, and I'm a clinical social worker here in Florida, and I'm so glad you've tuned in to our podcast, which is all about the different ways improvisation can be used in various venues with many diverse populations. A year ago, I had the opportunity to attend the first Yes! and Mental Health and Improv Conference in Chicago. I met the fantastic Nick John, who we're going to be speaking with today. Nick is a longtime improviser, a coach, a husband, a father, and just an all round great guy. I know you're going to enjoy listening and learning more about Nick John. Well, hello, Nick John. Hello. How are you doing today?
1: We're we're good. It's a a little cloudy up here, but we're... uh... We're fine. The sun's shining inside at any rate.
0: Well, you know, a year ago this week, we were together at the Yes And Conference in Chicago. And I got, that's where I yeah. got to meet you. And I'm hoping we have one next year.
1: That would be great. I'll put, I'll put a bug in Stephanie's ear.
0: Please do. So let me ask you, first question is, how does one go from microbiology to improv? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a
1: huge question crazy question um what happened was uh i was like a lot of people are uh, very socially awkward in my uh my 20s and um there was this uh thing down in toronto called harborfront and there was this uh, organization called theater sports and that put on weekly shows there, and as part of its uh, agreement with Harborfront, uh, they could get like either no rent or cheap rent if they offered free workshops. So I stumbled into one just on the sort of uh, chance that I would meet new people and get out of my shell. And after three free workshops, I was head over heels in love with this art form called improv. Uh, And uh, I didn't look back. Uh, I kind of failed my fourth year in microbiology because I was so enamored of theater, Uh, but it made me stay, get sort of a minor in uh, minor in a theater, a bachelor of arts kind of degree in theater. So that's how it happened.
0: And so then where did you study after that? Did you stay in Canada or come down to? Uh, no, know? I
1: stayed I stayed in Toronto. Um, I moved down here in 2003. So we're talking like the 80s now, uh, the late 80s. Um, I took like uh, theater sports classes and they would offer their own workshops. And then I took uh, Second City classes. I was so hungry. Um, And at that time, the kids in the hall were sort of
0: uh, oh yeah, yeah setting
1: setting their nest up in Toronto. So to make money, Bruce and Mark would offer classes, and I would jump at taking their classes. And so I learned from a whole bunch of people. Clowning, I did stand up. I just like I was. My parents like didn't know who I was because I was out every night (laughs) of the week.
0: And so you came down to Chicago after being really having fun up in Toronto for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, tell me a little bit about your family and about Emma.
1: Well, uh, so I'm a dad and I'm the stay-at-home because my wife, as she says, is a real person. She has a
0: regular,
1: <laughs> a regular job. But she started out uh, as a stage manager, so it's really... She gets what I do. Uh, Uh, And my daughter, uh, who is wonderful and great, uh, has global developmental delays, epilepsy, and autism. So it's, you know, this whole ball of craziness. But um, medically, we're more or less stable. And everything else is this wonderful journey with a child child who is... uh, Rapidly approaching her teenager years. <laughs> so, <laughs> another layer of fun onto on, <laughs> on all that.
0: Now, you you helped develop, or I, I'm curious about your role, with the Improv for Autism at Second City. Yes.
1: So the way that started, uh, as with almost everything that I do, uh, my daughter and my wife are sort of like my inspirations and my impetus to do things. Um, I was teaching in their wellness program. Uh, their first sort of, uh, goes at the improv for anxiety. And, uh, <clears throat> at the same time, I was uh, teaching an improv class over at DePaul university and, uh, this is around the time when all my daughter's sort of issues, developmental issues started to sort of, uh, blow up. And I remember talking with a fellow student of mine, uh, the wonderful Molly Fisher, who's now my co-teacher and partner in crime, uh, about my daughter and how Molly had been working, uh, previously to taking her uh, MFA up in New Trier, doing teaching special ed classes and doing improv games with them. And that made me think, oh, improv for people on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, uh, watching my daughter come up, who was like brilliantly gifted musically, um, and my sincere wishes for her, was to figure out how to play and play appropriately with other people, but at the same time keeping your own wonderful voice and your own wonderful way of, of working. It made me think, you know, how great an improv class for people with aut- autism would be, uh, especially for adults because as you mm-hmm. make uh, the services for uh Adults drop, for for people on the spectrum, just Mm -hmm. drop off right after high school. Yep. So that was our main thing. And then we added teen classes that were sort of, like, going down Uh, chronologically. Hopefully we'll get some children's classes going soon.
0: Fantastic. You mentioned the Improv for Anxiety. So you were teaching that prior to getting the autism program going.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so – and – it was, you know, I was given to it because I have a gentle touch and been known to adapt my program uh, uh, to people's needs, which you have to do as a, you know, general population teacher, anyways. But um, I did that for a while, and uh, you know, it's wonderful work uh, for anybody with anxiety.
0: Well, I have to say, you do have a gentle touch. In fact, uh, you know, next to my own workshop, yours was the best one at the conference last oh, thank year. Thank you so much. <laughs> that means a lot. <laughs> so, getting back to the classes for autism, how's your daughter do with them? Well, she's she's too young for. Oh, them. She's too young still. Okay. Yeah, she's too young.
1: She's and her thing really is music. Uh huh. Uh, we have a wonderful music therapist who takes care of her, and all you know, mm-hmm. when we do services at her middle school, she's going into music. So she's a little too young, and I think it might be weird for me to teach my own daughter because I think yeah. she wouldn't be able to figure out that uh, those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Oh.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So maybe she'll be a musical improvist.
1: Oh, she already does it. Does she? Makes she? Up her own songs. Yeah, perfect pitch, everything. Oh, wow.
0: Perfect. That's beautiful. Well, mm-hmm. talking about the autism classes again, I want to throw out, we're going to do word association. Since I'm a therapist, I like to do word okay. association. And then I'll, <laughs> I'll give you your diagnosis at the end of our chat. So, the first word I want to throw out in terms of improper autism is isolation uh,
1: uh, collaboration.
0: Collaboration. Okay, that's your word then.
1: That's my word.
0: Can you speak on it?
1: Oh, you want me to speak on it? Oh, we could just
0: play. <laughs> oh, we could just play a word game and keep going like that and do a word game. Oh, <laughs> I could say sure. pers. i say perspiration. And what will you say? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening right now? <laughs> uh,
1: uh, yeah. Well, improv is such a collaborative process, and it's all about just connecting with other people it's and it's done sort of through uh forced uh i mean it's not forced right it's just part of the beast uh once you're standing around in a circle which seems to be sort of the de facto opening (laughs) geometry of every improv class you're already collaborating whether you know it or not, right?
0: I think that kids on the spectrum often feel like they're making mistakes or not doing things right. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I see that with our parents who may keep trying to tell them don't do that or do this, and that kind of instills a lack of self-confidence.
1: Absolutely, and it's really liberating just to see what happens when In class, they realize they can be just as goofy as Mm -hmm. anybody else. And in fact, that's one of our sort of stumbling blocks is that whole sense of like what's right and what's wrong. If they're performing with somebody and they make a, a, a wrong choice in their eyes, they'll stop and comment on it. And we have to work at like, no, their choice is their choice and you have to go with it. Uh, as long as they're making you look good, um, so it doesn't become about right or wrong. It becomes about making choices,
0: right? <clears throat> and uh, that is—it's hard for people on the typical scale as well. Uh, oh yeah. We had a little presentation with one of our groups yesterday, and one of the young men, who's really a great improviser, said to me afterwards, "Oh, I didn't do it so good." And he's, you know, on the spectrum. And I said, you know, I used to say that to myself all the time. It's, it's over, but you were fantastic. And I did. I used to always say to myself, you know, I could have done better. I wish I had done that. And uh-huh. I, I don't know if you ever had that experience starting up an improv. That uh... oh, I still do. You know. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> it, it just
1: happens less. It just just takes less and less time. I mean, back back when I started, if I had a bad bad set or a bad class or uh you know, if the choices weren't as strong, uh, I would beat myself up for days. But now it's like I'll still beat myself up, but it lasts for maybe like five minutes to an hour, depending on, you
0: know. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. It's okay. human. It's human. It, yeah, we're, we are human beings, uh, definitely, and uh, not human doings, as I like to say. Ah, um, nice. But um, let's talk about doing Action,
1: yeah. Uh, Well, uh, again, a choice is a choice. Getting somebody up is, you know, making a choice, getting up and walking around. But sometimes we as a group have to get walk to that person. I remember once just sort of uh, as an anecdote, uh, we had a student who was – horribly shy that was part of his problem uh and uh he wouldn't get out of his chair to uh, join us at a circle so we brought the circle to him Mm -hmm. so realizing that his choice of not moving is actually a choice and we came in and helped him out so it really is about how do we figure out how to lift each other up especially when we're so isolated and locked in um, and this is for everybody just might be a bit more drastic with uh, the autism population
0: right actually there's a video I just posted yesterday showing you doing that ah. yep yeah. That's Pretty terrific. Cool. Pretty cool. Here, Here's another word, taking risks. Ah,
1: that's two words. Uh, <laughs> taking risks. Yeah, and again, you know, it depends on what your definition of a risk is. For some, it's, you know, a high adrenaline sport. And for others, it's just walking into a room. And again, it falls on the teacher's uh, to realize that, 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 you know, for some people it really is about like walking into a room or making a choice not to do something that's scripted or just to open your mouth. Um, so it really becomes, you know, whatever you do. And again, the the worst choice you can make in improv is no choice at all. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, which is just to, like, actually be stuck. But there's a difference between being stuck and choosing not to be somewhere.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, showing up, like Woody Allen said, is 90% of life. Just showing up for the class can be a huge thing for a lot of kids and adults. And you're right, which yeah. is why, you yeah.
1: know, when we do exercises and somebody wants to just check out and chill in the back of the room, mm-hmm. it's really on them and it's absolutely fine because, you know, we all have things that we like to do and if your choice is to, like, leave the exercise as long as you're not disruptive, we honor that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that leads into the next one, which is the word acceptance. Ah,
1: that's the hardest one. That's hard for everybody, right, is Mm -hmm. to learn how to accept everybody. Everybody has a different system um, and everybody has, like, a different, you know, nobody has the same operating system. We all have different accents, different ways of doing things. And the hardest thing we can t- teach, especially uh, the younger people when we're talking about teens, is how do we deal with those differences? Mm-hmm. How do, somebody who likes to be make puns, how do we deal with somebody who, you mm-hmm. know, uh, doesn't say anything and then just chimes in inappropriately? And that's like We all have to figure out how to work within that system. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. I remember playing I Am a Tree with a group of kids, and uh, one kid would not, was not, maybe not able to identify being in the environment. He was always a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) Which is an awesome choice. Yeah, it is an awesome choice. Uh, So, you know,
1: you can have a vampire, here's the thing, you can have a vampire in a train station, you can have a vampire on a mountainside, and here's the the thing, is to get him to, you can do two things, get that person to start the choice, so he starts with the vampire, Mm -hmm. everybody jumps, jumps on board and forms that, and then push him to make another choice, you know, if he comes in, make him go first. Make him make a different choice other than a vampire, and he might say, "I'm a castle," or "I'm a, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a grave site." Uh, and again, just knowing that you can even make little changes within your right. tiny world, and it's going to be huge. Right.
0: Um, I I see a lot of confidence in kids after they've been with us for a bit. So the word is <clears throat> confidence
1: oh lovely uh yeah um you know it's it's wonderful for me uh where i see confidence spring up is during breaks where Mm -hmm. uh, we've spent like an hour doing or half an hour doing warm-up games that work their muscles and then they're able to without them even realizing it Use those muscles, you know. Come up, and I see people at the whiteboard drawing things together and making choices together, or just you know peering over each other's shoulders at what they're looking at on their iPhones or their uh, you know personal mm-hmm. devices. And that's enough. And that's why I say that break times are really
0: important, mm-hmm. so
1: they can actually apply their stuff in the class in a safe space.
0: Great. Um, Funny versus fun.
1: Ah, Well, and that's a really hard one to teach, right? Uh, A lot of these kids, especially, uh, you know, um, sort of the higher functioning people will joke around. Uh, you know and on stage and it's always great and it's hard to say don't be funny Uh, but to reward people when actually they don't get any laughs from their peers is actually really important you know and it might be that they're just doing something that is just mundane and they haven't thrown in anything that would you know, make the situation comical. And that's just as important because they're on stage and they're playing with each other. And that's the difference for me between fun and funny.
0: And uh, sometimes I wonder about favorite teachers. That's a hard question, but I have a teacher Mm -hmm. um, who I've been with for several years who actually studied with Del Close and has that kind of a background, as well as comedy, sports, and others. But have you had some favorite teachers who really inspired you to?
1: Yeah, tons. Um, you know, they're all up north, and there were a couple down here, like uh, Jimmy Corrine and Liz Allen, were two teachers that you know when I when I landed here with all my uh, sort of experience. Uh, mm-hmm taught me something new that was really cool. I mean, each time you take a class, you, you know, even if it's, you're going back to basics, you're learning something new. But,
0: right.
1: you know, they were able to uh, to sort of poke around a bit and show me a new way, of, different way of working. Um, and back home, you know, there's a whole bunch of teachers up there who are great, you know. Uh, fellow by the name of Bruce Hunter. Uh, I also took, like, uh, classes with Bruce McCullough and Mark McKinney when they first landed Mm. to start the, uh, you know, to do the kids in the hall uh, back when they were just doing club shows. Uh, And they were fabulous, and they were the ones who, like, you know, kind of took me and said, you need to do this. This is something you're good at. Uh, Which is always great to hear.
0: Now, do you perform still? Are you?
1: I do, but it's along the lines of like uh, just as far as improv is concerned, along the lines of doing like pickup games in the backyard. You know, (laughs) (laughs) it's with with like-minded individuals who're going up just just to like stretch their muscles and to have fun. And performing is learning too. And if you take it that way, you know. so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I really do love performing. It's just hard sometimes to get the time. And I tell you, uh, I feel my age at around, like, 10 o'clock at night when I show. And I'm like, oh, I wish I were in bed, I, mean, in bed, but I am tired.
0: And, and you're teaching right now at DePaul and Second City? Uh, I'm
1: teaching at Second City, uh, my, uh, tenure at DePaul finished, but I'm teaching at the, uh, uh, at Aurora University, so. Okay.
0: Great. And what, what is there that you really find passionate for you about improv?
1: Uh, you know, it's the whole life skills aspect of it. When you're teaching beginners, uh, you know, I'm talking about the general population here now. You're teaching a level A class. It's not about, uh, you know, getting on Second City main stage. And it's not about, you know, uh, any kind of ladder that you're climbing. But it's about how do I listen to somebody? Mm -hmm. How do I collaborate with somebody how do i form an ensemble and for a lot of people too it's just like how do i play again i haven't played since i was you know uh 13 14 years old when that sort of aspect Mm -hmm. of your life gets Mm -hmm. pushed down uh so it's recapturing that sense of like we're playing here you know uh Uh, we're not taking this
0: seriously right right Now, my last word is how I like to close our sessions. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask again for I'm going to just ask you to improvise on the following word, Nick. Okay. And the word is love. Oh.
1: (laughs) Well, love is acceptance. Love is saying yes and, but it's also a bit like improv in that it's capturing lightning in a bottle, right? It's... uh, what feeds you it's what drives you forward it's what takes you through the bad days uh you know sometimes with my daughter uh often with my daughter my fuse is very very short Mm -hmm. uh you know that that whole thing of like you learn patience with somebody with autism is is one thing but sometimes you know we're just poking at the horn, hornet's nest. And if you didn't love that person, you wouldn't have a, you wouldn't be going back to that place again. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's it to me, it's all about accepting a who you are and be who everybody else is.
0: Well, I got to tell you, Nick, as someone recently taught me to say, I love you. I love you, Nick John. I love Thank what you're you. doing. I love your world, and uh, I'm sure I would love your family. Oh,
1: you would have a blast. i sure and I would. Same goes. <laughs> I love you, you. Hey.
0: All right, you have a great one, and thanks for your time, Nick John. All right,
1: cheers. I'll talk to you later.
0: Okay, bye bye.